touch line takes. Touch line takes podcast. Excuse me for being excited, people. Welcome back to another episode of Touchline Takes. It's me, Cameron, here, and I am along with my co-host Carl. And we got uh, another special episode for you today. We're joined by El Paso Locomotives' very own head coach, John Hutchinson. John, how you doing today? I'm good, thanks, guys. How are you? No complaints here, man. We're having a good one. It was uh, I'm in Florida. It was a bit of a rainy day, so you know, I mean, it. We had tornado warnings to start the day, so you know, <laughs> it's all good though. So no tornadoes, yeah. rain stopped, no complaints. I'll take that. I'll take that warm weather any day over Cleveland and Ohio, and I think it was 18 degrees today. So just got the heat <laughs> blasting, man. I miss the sun. Yeah, there's plenty, plenty in El Paso for you guys if you want to come join us. Oh, for sure. One of these days I'm getting out there, that's for sure. I've never actually been to Texas, so uh, I'll have to make a road trip out there and just get as many cities in as I can at, uh, at once. But um, So we're, we're excited to have you here because this is your first year in charge of El Paso. Um, you are, are joining us uh, from, from Australia, if I'm correct. No, I'm in, I'm in El Paso. Yeah, well, I was Australian originally, yes. And uh, I was in Japan last season and then travelled home to be with family um, and then travelled to – I've been here now seven weeks in El Paso. So, um, yeah, it's a good spot. I'd say I'm happy. The family weren't going to come out till probably August, but now, you know, I've kind of settled in and uh, they're going to join us at the end of March. Nice, nice. How are you liking El Paso so far? Sorry? How are you liking El Paso so far? Yeah, it's good, mate. It's good. It's um, completely different to wherever we experience in life. And uh, I like that stuff, you know. I like different, you know, part of coming to El Paso was I've never kind of lived in, in a place like it. So, you know, it's uh, I didn't look too much into it. I kind of just flew in and my, my wife kind of looked into it more. And uh, it's been a great spot, you know, the food although it's too much of it is uh fantastic <laughs> it's a really good like really nice people good spot um and the sun shines for most of the day so you know there's no at the moment there's nothing uh to report in a bad way uh, it's all been it's all been really positive and happy yeah no and um kind of you you came from japan you're heading over here um how has your sort of experiences you know um you know coaching over in japan um gonna sort of help you with what you're bringing over here yeah look i love japan um you know i was, I was really happy when Ange postacogli was was the manager um that's why i went there for i went there because you know any australian coach has an opportunity to go work with Ange. Uh, they'll jump at it wherever they are, you know, and I was no different. I was in Seattle at the time, um, jumped at the opportunity to go join him and then he left. And then, you know, it just kind of from there, it wasn't what I, what I wanted anymore, what I signed up for. Um, mm -hmm. But again, I love Japan. Japan was a beautiful place, you know, with, uh, oh, I worked with four translators every day. Um, no one's listening to to what I say apart from the translator. One translator they had to translate to everyone, so he was the only guy that was actually really listening, <laughs> which was which was a bit strange at start, but good. But you know, we 
over there I deal with different nationalities. I deal with people who don't speak English. You know, it's um, when you come to El Paso and I've got some players that don't speak English and, you know, I've got players that aren't as fluent. Um, so, you know, all those experiences of working with players that, you know, don't speak what I like, English like I speak, um, obviously gets me in good stead here. And again, working with diff- different nationalities, um, being in a foreign country, having to settle in and, and get used to their their, their way of life. And um, El Paso is the same, you know, but at the moment it's been all good. I've got nothing, no complaints here. It's the players have been working really hard. The club's given us a lot of stuff as well to try to improve and implement. Um, so, you know, at the moment it's been, it's been great. Awesome. And uh, I think one thing that, you know, we should definitely preface here is that you've got a lengthy history with the sport. Um, you've played, you played in Australia. You were the, the all-time appearance leader for Central Coast Mariners, if I'm correct in that. Um, so congratulations for that. You know, not a lot of people have that title as being the all-time appearance leader for their club. Very impressive. Um, but you didn't just play there. You know, you've, you've been all across um, Asia. Um, you, you've played for a couple different clubs there, uh, not to mention, you know, continental competitions as well. But uh, I, one, one thing we like to ask people uh, whether they played the sport or they are involved in it from like an administrative backroom kind of uh, deal is is how did you first get started? What was it that drew you to the sport? Whether that was you know some, watching a game as a kid or maybe having a, a relative who was really into it. Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy one. My family, my mum and dad, and dad was a player, coach, obsessed with football. Mum was a widow to football, so she either joined in or she was uh, had no family, obviously. <laughs> she jumped in. Um, my two sisters played, I played. Uh, I remember dad playing when I was a kid and coaching, and I loved the sport. You know, I, I loved it from the first time I played it. I did dabble in other sports, being Australian, there's always opportunity for other sports and you know I, I don't mind AFL which is a game played only in Australia I was pretty pretty into it pretty I enjoyed it a lot dad didn't like it so much so um, but soccer was always or football was as we call it was always number one you know and um, I didn't really know where I was going to go though you know as a kid you kind of just you're playing for your mates you're enjoying yourself um, I was in a small country town you know, so I didn't know where it was going to take me. And, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to meet a, meet some really good football coaches on the way and give me an opportunity. Got a bit of luck, which you need in life. And, um, yeah, and, and <laughs> where I am now. And I was a pro for 19 years, um, which is a long time. I turned pro when I was 16 and retired when I was 35. Um, probably played one season too many. The young boys are getting faster. <laughs> <laughs> One up, one up, something was happening. Um, it's hard to let go. Yeah. Sorry? It's hard to let go, you know, something you love. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Especially, you know, you work so hard to get there and you love the sport. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you retire, you never play again. I've never right. played the game again. You know, I've played a little seven aside with some old, old mates back home. And um, apart from that, I, I didn't play. You know, I just kind of. It's a, it's a tough one because you, you work so hard and you play and you love it and then all of a sudden you don't play no more. Where a general footballer will play to their they can't walk anymore. But as a mm-hmm. next player, you kind of just give it up, walk away. But, you know, again, I've been fortunate enough to jump straight into coaching. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's my eighth season in coaching or seven, eight years in coaching. And I tell people all the time, I actually haven't worked a day in my life. You know, I was 16, I turned pro, and I'm 42 now and still in football. So, 
Um, when you're a player, it's an unbelievable experience. When you're a coach, you know, you, you're getting paid to coach a kid's sport and being the people mm-hmm. love the most, you know. So I'm very fortunate in what I do. Did you always think that coaching was going to be that next direction? Yeah, I did. Um, much to the uh, hate of my wife about that. Um, <laughs> you know, she, she didn't want me to go down the coaching path. and um, But, you know, she's a great supporter. You know, she obviously has to be. You know, we in 2016, I was in Australia, 17, 18 in Seattle, 19, I was back in Australia, 20 back in Seattle, 21 Japan, 22 takes us to El Paso. So, you know, I, I muck around there and say she didn't want me to, but she's obviously a strong supporter um, and tolerant lady as well because I don't know how many people would put up with someone jumping around countries, not let alone states. So mm-hmm. um, coaching probably the first time I got really into it, I was about 24. Um, I just, I tore my ACL. Um, I was out for a while and there was a coach that left like a, an academy team when I was on the Central Coast in Australia. Um, and at the time, I couldn't train or anything. And my my manager asked me if I wanted to coach his team, if I wanted to help coach. And I decided to help coach him and just fell in love with coaching. And from then, it was kind of this thing where I was like, okay, when I retire, I want to coach. But you just don't know. Like playing football is like driving a bus. Coaching is like flying an airplane. Like it's completely different. You know, as a player, you're kind of selfish. You know, you've got to look after number one and you got to work hard. And although you're in a team environment, you know, you've got people pushing you all the time, but mm-hmm. you're the one that signs a contract. You're the one that plays and, you know, you've got to then obviously mould inside of the team. You know, I'm big on the team environment. I think it's great. But, you know, as a manager or a coach, selfless. Like every day is a selfless, you know, you've got to work hard. And, you know, but the greatest thing is when you watch players play the way you see football, you know, and you just hope you can be successful doing that. For sure. And, you know, kind of diving into your first season here at El Paso, um, what are you kind of trying to implement, you know, with the squad? You know, you talk about the way you see football. What is kind of your vision you see as we head into this season? Yeah, look, uh, you know, I, I, my first manager's job was in Seattle, which was the S2 team. Um, you know, it was, a, it was coaching in any second team is a difficult task. You know, you've got... Academy players, some of your own players, first team players coming down that are angry, don't want to play. You know, it's, it's a mixture, you know, a mixed bag. And uh, mm-hmm. I always like possession and attacking football, you know, but I always believe that you never, the jigsaw puzzle never finishes. You know, you always put pieces together. And, uh, you know, for me, I have to credit like Ange Postacoglu. Uh, when I went to Japan, I, you know, I was about this possession based attacking football, and, but the holes are really big. You know, I didn't know some stuff of how do I implement it properly, how do I get around it. Um, and then working with Ange, those those holes become much smaller. You know, the puzzle pieces started connecting. And I, I see football in an attacking sense, you know. I, and again, you know, I learned a lot in my time in Japan. In those six, seven months, I've worked with Ange. And uh, very fortunate, very fortunate. And, you know, I'm just trying to implement some stuff I learned there that I really liked, but again, I'm implementing my own style of football as well because I'm not Ange, you know, um, he's right. his own man. I'm my own man as well. So, you know, I, I, I see the game as similar as him, but it's different as well. You know, I, I've got my own little pieces to it of the pie and how I want to see it. And uh, definitely possession. 
I love possession football, but I love it in the attacking half. You know, I don't like it. like centre back, goalkeeper, centre back, goalkeeper, and just punt it long. Like I don't, that's not something yeah. I like to see. I like to see the attacking players on the ball. I love to see wingers running forward. You know, and I love to see my team score goals. I love them being aggressive when they press. Um, we'll play a high block, um, and we're going to press from from the start of the game to the end of the game, whether we're winning or losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, they're uncontrollables. Winning, or losing, it's uncontrollable because you don't know. Like you might have thirty shots, and the other team have one shot, and somehow they beat you one nil. The beauty of the game. Yeah, that's, that's what we love it for. But for me, it's always about how my team plays. You know, mm-hmm. our football, and and that's what I'm bringing it. El Paso is our football. Like, what does that look like? Well, it's it's high octane, it's aggressive. It's going to be on the front foot. Now, we're not going to win every game, and you know, we're not going to do that. But again, that's the uncontrollable. What we can control is how we play, how that looks, um, and hopefully, fingers crossed, it is exciting brand of football because you know we all want to be entertained, and I want to be entertained as a coach, and that's why I do it for. Yeah, and I mean, you're you're also definitely different from Ainge in the sense that um, he chose rainy Scotland with Celtic, and uh, you chose you chose the Sun. So I think I think you made the better choice there. Just gonna say. So if that's yeah. any indication, I think you're gonna bring some other differences to the table. Um, and you mentioned you know attacking, and I think that was one of the things that um, you know I actually read USL uh, put out today their their initial power rankings for the season, and one of the things that they said about El Paso which I actually think they kind of critically um, rank them, rank you guys criminally low in their power rankings. I think it was around um, seven or eight, something like that. And they said that, uh, you know, they they kind of put you there because they thought you overperformed last year as a team. Um, And I think there were maybe a couple statistics where they based that off. I know that uh, El Paso did pretty well in terms of the distribution of their scoring threats. And I think you guys actually brought back a couple of those guys, uh, Gomez being one of them. Um, and the, sh- but the shots I noticed were actually kind of low. Do you think that you can, you, you will see an increased level of shots on goal this year, tactics to really kind of make those opportunities? Yeah, look, first and foremost, I think that's unfair on the team last year. You know, I think it's unfair on what Mark and his coaches brought to El Paso. You know, I've watched the majority of the game from last season and, and they were a good team. You know, he brought a good brand of football to El Paso. I thought he'd done a great job. You know, they obviously got knocked out, lost the home game at the wrong time. But, you know, if you look through the season, they were very consistent and, and a good football team. So, you know, like in people saying that they overachieved, I disagree with that. You know, I think Mark and his staff deserves a lot of credit for what they achieved in El Paso, you know. And uh, for us, yeah, look, you know, I've added some wingers. I've added some pace, obviously. Um, you know, we obviously kept kept Diego Luna, which is A, a surprise and B, fantastic for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how long this kid's going to be for us for. He's a super talent. Um, but, you know, we've got other threats as well. You know, you've got to remember we've got Dylan Mares and we've got Velasquez. You know, we brought in uh, Manny Sinope, Zacharias is here. We've got Gomez and Lucho up top. You know, we've got then Francois and Nick Hines on the left wing. So, you know, we've got players that are capable of obviously creating opportunities, goal-scoring opportunities. Um, again, in the front third, I just want them to be themselves. Like, why buy attacking players if you're going to say to them, okay, you must pass the ball here or pass the ball there? Now, as a coach, we give them options. We tell them what we want, expectations, but decision-making, that has to lie on the players, you know? And we don't bring talented players and attackers, especially to say, 
you know, you must pass the ball here or you must cross at this time. We just give them mm-hmm. options and make them understand what we look for. The decision-making falls on them. So, yeah, look, I don't really look at the stats from last year. I don't, you know, I don't, people rank us eight, nine, ten, whatever. It's great. Awesome, you know, because if we finish there, then we finish there. But for me, we've got a good team. Um, the season maybe starting a week early, maybe a week or two weeks early. Uh, we've just finished getting all our players in. Um, Brock Bank was the last one to arrive from the UK, from Bolton. He just arrived a week ago, you know, so we're still trying to gel and get, get together as a team. But, you know, we're ready. We're ready for the season. And I think, you know, Sacramento is going to be a great test for us. And that's what we're waiting for. Definitely, for sure. And, you know, here in the United States, um, the excitement around soccer is kind of like a thing where, you know, the trajectory has been going up definitely over the last five years, definitely over the last decade. And especially in a place like El Paso, I mean, the excitement around the game um, and even the excitement around the club sort of. What have you seen in your short time there, you know, not just from the players, but also the fans um, who kind of support El Paso and really like bring it every single home game? Yeah, it's a great fan base, you know what I mean? And with COVID restrictions lifting and the fans coming back, I think, you know, we're going to see a really vibrant atmosphere. Yeah, you know, in El Paso, I've checked other games when it's there's no COVID and fans were coming. It was an incredible atmosphere, you know. I think teams struggle when they come here, you know, and part of it is the atmosphere is created by fans. So, you know, it's it's starting to grow. I've met the eighth notch, I've met our supporters group, I've met, you know, the, the members and, you know, you can see the excitement start growing, you know. And obviously the first home games against New Mexico, who our fans really, really like, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> really like them guys. And that's our obviously our rivals. So, you know, this mm-hmm. is a big one for us as well. So I do expect, you know, a decent crowd and, you know, I expect them to, get behind the boys and the players that are retained from last season talk about it. You know, they talk about some new players coming in. You can hear them say, like, you know, wait till you get home, their home games. and Because the fans are literally on the field. You know, they're so close to the action. I think it adds to it the, you know, the football stadium. I know it's a baseball stadium, but for one day we call it the football stadium. Um, it's, a great, it's a great stadium. You know, the ownership of building a stadium that, is, is fantastic for everyone. So, you know, it's um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. You know, those home games. But, you know, I know the guys are really focused on this away game first, and that's something that, you know, we maintain that we we want to go there and try to win. You know, we're not going there to try to draw. Or, you know, so sit back and try to draw and get a little draw. We've got to try to win the game. You know, every mm-hmm. time we play, someone, we try to win. So and that will start this weekend, and then when we come home having the fans, having the players pumped and ready to go at home game. Um, um, that's, we all look forward to that first moment. Um, and Definitely. I'm no different coach. Uh, I know my staff are ramped up this week. They're working, they're going, they're working really hard, which is fantastic. And you know, we agree. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned sort of those players that you retain, the players coming back from that successful season last year. How important have they been, um, not just to the new players you may have coming in, but for yourself as well to kind of help you kind of transition um, into the club? Yeah, look, um, the, the big thing for me was they're all good people. You know, when I spoke to them on the phone and that was a big thing of retaining majority of the squad from last year was that they're just good people, you know, and then you watch them on the field and you can see the players, you know, come around them and you can kind of get a sense from watching them that it was a close-knit team. Now, we we had to make changes, obviously. Uh, players move on and 
players retire and players want to go play elsewhere, which is fantastic. I, you know, I, I encourage players to be better themselves and be ambitious and try to be a guy that can, can kick on. Now, um, all of them have been fantastic. You know, Yuma and, and Richie Ryan, the older guys, and then you've got the ones we kept, the strikers, and then, you know, the people like Borelli and Foxy. Um, you know, I want to name them all because they're all fantastic. But, you know, for me, the biggest help at the time when I was coming in was Richie Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. well, he helped me a lot in, in terms of getting me to understand the football club, um, help even helping in terms of scouting. You know, he was a great tool to use. He's been in the in the country for a long time, and you know, you got to give got to give credit to him because he was in a weird situation. You know, where the club asked him to help because Mark had just left. They didn't have a manager. They're re-signing players. They're looking for players, and all of a sudden, I come in and you know, there was always a time when we moved him back to just being a player which was, you know, once we, once I settled in, but, you know, he was a great, great use for me and, and a great hand. And, uh, you know, and then you meet the players and you've got people like Yuma where people just look up to him. The guy's, the guy's a machine. He's 36 and he's in great order. He's in great health. And even at training, you know, when he's training, um, you just see the boys. There's always a lift when, when Yuma's on the field. So, you know, again, I'm very grateful for the club keeping the players they kept before I came mm-hmm. in. A very good call. They've done really well last year. And what we tried to do is just add add different pieces. You know, when I did take over, the squad was a little bit in the, uh, I mean, it's in the harsh way, but a little bit in the old section. So most of my signings have been around the 23, 24, 25 mark, just to freshen them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see the training. You know, that's just how I want to play. I want to play with a high tempo and you know you need the young guys and then we've got the 10 academy kids that we have on contract as well um you know they come in and out of training and they just add energy you know even if they're not having a great day it's the energy but you know some of them have been here last year and they know the environment and you get to know them and it's just been a really the guys that are here have just created a really good atmosphere in the change room and culture you know mm-hmm. like we we as coaches want to create culture and drive and culture etc and all that kind of stuff but reality is it's not for the players right you know, if they decide they're not going to play for the manager i'm done i might as well go home yeah. you know, i want to jump on the plane back to sydney and do that 15 hour beach. trip from la to sydney you know what i mean right. but you know, we try to drive the culture we try mm-hmm. to create the atmosphere what we want to create the hard work etc and all that kind of stuff but again it falls on the players it falls on the experienced players the captain the vice captain the the guys that support them and and again i have a wonderful group you know from the leaders to the youngest they they, they bought in they've worked really hard through pre-season um mm-hmm. excited and i'm excited for them you know i can't wait to see what they do during the season yeah let's uh you know this season's actually gonna be a little different in a, in a couple other ways um you know i know it's like you mentioned earlier there was a lot of covid restrictions that sort of changed the way that usl was functioning um we had like the the group way that the the schedules were and now we're going back to conferences but um i would say almost more importantly we've got the return of the uh, lamar hunt us open cup so what's that look like to you to have um a couple different competitions to juggle now uh, i think your first game looks like it's april 5th against central valley fuego what are how are you preparing the guys for for having a couple competitions to be playing in yeah look my belief in that is that you just play the best team available you know i don't believe in picking a team and then picking a team to play in the open cup two days later i think we play mm-hmm. sunday tuesday um we obviously got san diego away and then we travel into fresno 
Um, so, you know, it is a tough task, but I'm not going to rest players in San Diego to play in the Fresno game and vice versa. For me, it's I've played the best team I have available for the, the uh, San Diego game. And then when we travel to Fresno for the Open Cup game, we're going to play the best team available. Now, we sign a squatter here of 22 players, first pro contracts, you know, and mm-hmm. if I'm not going to play them and I'm not going to trust them, then why sign them? So, you know, I always say to them, like, everyone's going to play. Everyone's going to be on the bench and everyone at one stage will be out of the team. You know, how that works is up to them. You know, the guy in the best form, whether he's 15 years old or Richie Ryan, 37 years old, the best guy in the form will play, you know. So being a manager is just, you know, managing and making sure that they they understand that, making sure that they know that, you know, everyone's going to have a little time on the bench every time someone's going to have a time outside of the squad. But everyone's going to be given an opportunity to play. And and the Open Cup's exciting for me. You know, it's exciting mm. for the club. We want to try to make an Open Cup run, you know, but we also want to be successful in the league. So my only way of knowing how to do that is put the best team available out that I believe is going to win the game. So, you know, we'll take every competition we have. If they can throw another competition in, we'll take that one as well because the more more competition, the more trophies you get to play for throughout the year, that's why we do this for. You know, I know that's why the players keep rocking up every day to be successful and try to win stuff, you know. And for us as coaches, we just have to maintain our football and make sure they understand that it's our football that hopefully will make us be successful, you know? So, um, and yeah, the scheduling of the USL is fantastic, you know, to go back into the conference. And I think there's teams here in the conference that El Paso haven't played ever since, you know, since they've been in, in the league. So mm-hmm. welcome them to, to El Paso and go and visit them in their home grounds. It's, it's an exciting time. And I know the club's excited by it. I'm excited to go back in a conference because I watched the games last year, you know, and sometimes it can become a little stale if you're playing the same team four times and then oh, yeah. pick them up in the final. Definitely. Comes a bit stale. This is exciting, you know. We play each team twice. We've got Colorado a third time, but then we've got the guys from the East coming over, you know, as well. So, you know, this is this is good football and it's going to be competitive and the USL for me is a good standard and that's why I'm here for because I believe in the standard. It's given me an opportunity to be the head coach manager and that's what I want. And, you know, I'm ambitious. I want my players to be ambitious and we're going to really go for it this year and see where it takes us. Well, let me ask you actually, um, you know, I'm not sure if you've got an answer for this, but is there any particular team that you're intrigued to play against or, or just excited to play against this year? Oh, look, uh, honestly, I just think all of them, you know, everyone's really recruited really well this year. You know, it's, um, you look at Colorado, they've recruited well. Phoenix are always a big team. Um, San Diego recruited well. Sacramento even. You know, we were going through, obviously, an opposition report to scout their team, and they've got, players, they've got some really good players. You know, we were looking at Jack Gurr and Kiko as well, and, you know, they were two players of interest for us. And signed there. We had Nicky Ross on our books last year, who we, try, you know, we were trying to keep. And, you know, we, we ended up not agreeing terms, and he ended up moving on. But, um yeah, it's just they're a good team and you can't go – I don't think in the USL there's a game where you go, okay, you know, all we got to do is turn up and we're going to pick the points up because I just don't believe that's that's possible in this league. And, you know, we are really looking forward to – I know the fans and the club are looking forward to the New Mexico game. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, as a club for them, as they keep telling me when I meet them, you know, they like, you must, definitely must win. And I'm like, look, it's an uncontrollable. But as soon as I start telling it's an uncontrollable, I think they switch off and don't listen to me. So they just want the win. They want to hear definitely. about how we do what we're going to do. So, yeah, I just think the whole season's really, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, there's not a, one team bigger than the other. There's not any teams that's smaller than the others. And I think it's a really even league. And, you know, I just want to see how it all pans out for us. For sure, definitely. And um, you sort of brought up the academy a little bit when you're mentioning the players. Um, How do you feel about, you know, sort of the academy? I know an area like El Paso is bustling with talent. Um, You have a lot of players, you know, around that area of Southern Texas, um, around, you know, around the U.S. now. You know, I think you're you're starting to see, especially American-born players, become, you know, more on the global stage. Um, how, How is the academy working there at El Paso with you right now? Yeah, look, um, again, very lucky. Dom, my assistant coach, my first assistant coach, set up a, he, came, he was here last year and he set up this academy where, you know, the U19s, USL club, uh, academy team, they, they train in the morning. The school's about 100 metres away. The principal there is a fantastic lady that, you know, accepts that football is part of their life and part of the school life as well. So, um, you know, to have them training full time four nights a week and they play the weekends and they're well looked after and they, you can walk into that and it's, it's wonderful. You know, the head coach there, Carlos, is doing a great job. You know, he's, he's organized, he plans very well. Um, and he's, and he's hard on the boys, you know, okay, watch the training sessions. I'm like, I'm glad I'm the coach and not playing with this guy because he's hard on them and pushes them really well. But, you know, that's what they need. This guy, he does a good job and, you know, his assistant at the moment, Jonathan, helps out and, and, and they're working really well. But, you know, when you bring him into our environment, you know, I've got two 15-year-olds that have been for this whole preseason. You know, one of them got to play against New England in New England, which was a great moment. When we finished the game in New England, we had seven academy products on the field, you know, and they're just saying, <laughs> the funny part was they asked me what they should do. And I'm like, one, run. Just run. <laughs> Just have a good time. You know, the two most important ones. Don't have a complicated. Just go out, run around, yeah. have a good time. And, you know, obviously we work on tactics and we've got all the mm-hmm. stuff. We try to play our football. You know, the big thing is for me that we always try to play our football and what we want to do. That's really, I'm really big on that. Um, but, you know, they're kids. They're coming on at the Patriots Stadium, New England Stadium, and they're looking at me and their eyes are wide open. They're playing arguably the greatest MLS team in New England. I think they've got the most points last year in the history of MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're asking me, hey, coach, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, run and have fun. Mate. <laughs> Just have fun. That's you go. what they told me to do in Sunday <laughs> League, and I still struggle with that. So Yeah, yeah so, you know, there are some wonderful talents. You know, we have some great mm-hmm. players. And, uh, you know, I don't want to start naming the young men that we have with us because I don't want people to come and steal them off us. <laughs> we we got to keep it on the down low. We, we, we can't be giving oh, anybody else. Can't give away the you'll secrets. See them yeah. anyway, you'll see them throughout the year. You know, That's awesome. One or two that are going to travel to Sacramento to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I'm excited by that. I'm excited to see if they get game time or not um, and when they come on, what they do. You know, And I think that's a big thing that you see in the USL now um, is academy products actually coming up and hitting the USL. And then what we want to do is move them players on, you know, to the next level. Like I have right. no intention of holding players back, you know, and I want them to be, I want them to be ambitious and grow. And if they get a move from El Paso, it looks 
great for us, you know, because we're going to get Definitely. the next best function and the next talent and we're going to create that environment where they can grow and inside of our environment and that's what we want. And, you know, Diego right. Luna is probably one that springs to mind right now where everyone's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, and I look at that and I think we're pretty lucky to have him and I think we're pretty lucky he's still here. Um, you know, he's got a lot, lot to work on in this game. You know, he's just a young man, he's 18 and still trying to find his feet in the big bad world of football. Um, but he does have the potential to be very, very good football. Well, and every time you move a player on, that's uh, that's the best recruitment strategy, right? I mean, you know, you, you show players that you can develop them and get them to the next step, and the next best one's going to come to you guys. Yeah, that's, and that's, you know, that's the way we want it to be, you know, but it's not just the staff. It's the players you're surrounded with, you know. It's the mm-hmm. environment that the players create that harness these young talents. And, again, I see the boys be harsh on them. I'm a young kid. They, they, <laughs> they, you know, they don't treat them like... They're 15, they treat them like they're part of the squad. They yell at them, they pat them on the back. They they, they work together really well. And, and, you know, that's a credit to what they, you know, Mark, his coaching staff created this environment, you know, before I was here. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good fortunate enough that still there. We've obviously, you're always trying to grow and develop your own kind of stuff. But to jump in and see these 12 guys that we kept on from last year, the harness and the power for the young guys and the new guys coming in. We have a good bunch and they, they work hard every day and they just help the young kids. You know, they've got no no qualms staying down the field and kicking balls with them or helping them or make them understand exactly what we want. So, you know, it makes our job easier as coaches. Um, but yeah, the, the young talent, we, I just wanted to have the best career possible. You know, I the young man that I once coached in Seattle named Sam Rogers. You know, and he's a beautiful kid and, you know, he had a few difficulties when I was over there, you know, and mm-hmm. try to work through these difficulties for him. And, you know, he's left Seattle and he's gone over to Norway in the second division. His team got promoted, but he just got sold to Rosenberg, you know? And yeah, that's huge. Of, yeah, it's huge. And for me, even though I played maybe a 1% in his life or 2% or 10 whatever the percentage is, mm-hmm. I, love, I love watching him, you know, I stay... Yeah, Rosberg now is one of my favorite teams. I've got him on my, on my app where I check the scores <laughs> on so I keep monitoring and see how it's going because I did have That's all awesome. my You know, I've got two players in Australia that I brought to Seattle, Jesse Daly and Anthony Burke. And again, I follow their football. And I follow players that, you know, you've kind of, whether it's 1%, 10%, whatever that touch was, I, I like to see what they do in their life and where they go. And, the more success they get, the, the, you get the warm, fuzzy feeling, don't you? you, know, you like, okay, I, I help this kid, wherever it's a big margin, small margin, I help this kid be where he is. And that's mm-hmm. why we coach. You know, that's a selflessness. And that's what we want to do here at El Paso. You know, we, we're we digging the academy a little bit. We're trying to help out a little bit more from the first team down. Um, and we want to bring these kids up and through and, and let them go. Let them go. <laughs> Spread your wings and go for it. You know, be the best footballer and person you can be and that's what we want to do yeah. and run you got to remember to run <laughs> have fun the two words. That's have it. fun run and have fun um well coach i mean we are just a couple of days now out from the season um what are sort of your goals you kind of see or goals you have set for yourself goals have you you have set for the club maybe even some goals you have set for some of the players um as we move forward and look um to the season yeah, look, it's a good question. Um, yeah, the goals are a difficult one because my goal and the player's goal that I'm trying to create is just 
about how we go about our football. Honestly, I, I talk to them all the time about it. You know, there's no like, okay, let's go win the championship or, hey, let's go make playoffs or let's try to win whatever amount of games we try to win. You know, let's try to score these amount of goals. I I believe in my football that we're trying to create, me and the staff are trying to create so much that I always talk to them about our football, you know, who we are, like who do we want to be, what we want to look like internally, you know, what it looks like externally or to the fans or to other clubs. I'm not that interested in, you know, I'm only interested in who we are and what we want to become as a football club and how we develop our football. So honestly, I haven't set any goals. I don't set any goals. I just set like how I want to play. And, you know, if we move away from how we want to play in the principles and we win, I'm going to be unhappy with them. I've told them that already. Like that's not what we're trying to create. Now, if they play our football and keep losing, that falls on me. You know, I have to look at the mirror and go, okay, there's something broken here. How do I fix it? You know, how do I make this better? How do I become more aggressive? Because that's how I see it. You know, it wouldn't become safer. It's be more aggressive. So, you know, in terms of goals for players, I tell them that, you know, you be in the best form, you'll play. You might be unlucky though, because the guy in front of you might be in better form and just scoring more goals. So you might be in the best form, but, you know, the guy in front of you is taking your spot and he's sticking at the moment. So, you know, when I talk to the players, I don't talk about winning or losing. I don't talk about winning championships. I don't talk about being unbeaten on the road. And what I talk about all the time is continue to do what we want to do, continue to build our football, and that will give us our greatest success. That's what I believe in. Um, the players are believing all the time, more and more. You can see the, the belief happening. You know, at first, when you tell them, guys, okay, we're going to go high and we're going to press and we're going to be this and this, you see them looking at you like, man, are you crazy or what? You know, <laughs> then you've got to get the belief and the players, if the players again don't buy in and don't have the culture, then what are we doing as coaches? Mm-hmm. You know, so. All the time I talk to them about our football, you know, I call it locomotive football. We try to drive that. We drive it every day training, you know, we drive it, even the Sacramento game, you know, we touch on them 5% of the time, 5% for this week and the rest of it's like, what are we going to do? You know, mm-hmm. let's not change for them. Let's make them change for us if they have to change, you know, or mm-hmm. match up and we've got to be better on the day. So, yeah, I guess I just, there's no goals, you know. Obviously, as a manager, I want to be successful. The players want to be successful. I know they want to win things. I know they want to win the championship, you know. I know they probably talk about that in the change room, but as coaches, we just talk about our football, you know, who we are and what do we want to become. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, I think it's um... – I feel like that gets asked a lot. You know, obviously we just asked it and it's uh, it's pretty easy for somebody to just say, well, we want to win the championship. Well, of course, everyone wants to win the championship. Who doesn't? Um, so it's it's good that you've got some real on the field goals, you know, uh, team cohesiveness, things like that. I think that's uh, that's maybe a little more tangible. And it, it also I think it shows the kind of character of the coach you are. Um, speaking of that a little bit, what's, um, we're going to, we're going to end on this. What's, what's something about you that maybe people don't quite know? What's, what's maybe something you do when you're not coaching, you know, off the pitch, what's something that you, you really like to do? Um, yeah, well, I'll tell you what I was doing before I jumped on these zoom calls. You guys, I was, uh, playing Fortnite with my son. So really, oh yes, <laughs> I son, we have two games we play. We play Fortnite and we play super smash bros. Um, oh. Perfect. Now, there's two reasons. Super Smash Bros. was a gift that was given to my son before my uh, before my mum passed away. Um, so we kind of that's our kind of go-to. We play that a lot. Um, 
you know, I tell him I'm really good and I tell him I always have a sore back from carrying him, but it's not true, trust me. I, 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 but, you know, my, my son's not doesn't really enjoy sport. He's a bit of a gamer. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he asks what he wants to become. He tells me he wants to become a YouTuber, which still trying to work out how that all works. Um, so, look, you know, for me, football is... It's fantastic, but you can't do it without family. You know, I always mm-hmm. believe whether your family's your wife or your, your your mum and dad or your brother and sister or your uncle and auntie or your best mate who looked after you or, you know, your foster parents, it doesn't matter who it is. There's always someone that looked after you, you know, and for me, that that's, that's the blanket, you know, that's what you need away from football. You always need that kind of go away. So my wife, you know, is obviously a, a big one in terms of, you know, the support, but, you know, the kids, I have a daughter that's eight and a son that's 12. Um, we spent seven months apart last year. We've always spent some time apart this year, but, you know, jump online. <laughs> I was playing a bit of Fortnite then, a bit of a, bit of a duo or whatever it's called. Um, yep, running yep. around. So might you know, play a little again, myself. I know how it goes. Yeah. So that's kind of my Get like go to away from football is, Spend time with my family, you know, mm-hmm. and really enjoy the time. Try to actually, you know, pre-season so hectic, you know, and, and it's, it, it's good they don't really come because I don't want to feel like I don't have time for them. So when they come now in season and we, you know, we have a rest day, you know, I try to actually be there, you know, be in that moment, you know, don't be out of that moment, you know. So that's between football and, and family and and friends. That's for me, that's that's what counts the most. Well, that's awesome. And we're, you know, we're happy that you've got a really supportive family because, you know, maybe otherwise you, you wouldn't be here. And we're we're happy that you joined us today to talk all about it and you know what's in store for El Paso Locomotive. I think Definitely. um as as Andrew Forrest put it once, trains don't don't go backwards, they go forward. Choo choo. So we really appreciate your time today, John. The locomotive soul, isn't it? That one. No, that, that, for the pep talk on Saturday, that's what you have to use. Um, and okay. you, can, you, can credit, you can credit Andrew Forrest because he taught us that one last year when we spoke with him. So I'm going to use a choo choo at the end. Yeah, we got to get you one of those little. We got to get you one of those wooden little uh, train things that you blow oh, the, into. Oh, the whistles, the, the little yeah. train horns. Yeah, there you go. Now we're talking. <laughs> awesome, but yes, thank you so much, John, um, for joining us. All the best luck this season. Um, you know, we're definitely going to be watching. We're definitely um, going to be, you know, checking up on you and following up. Um, it seems like you know El Paso is in very good hands though um, with you at the helm. Appreciate, appreciate your time, appreciate the kind words as well. Um, looking forward to checking in during the season. Hopefully, you can, uh, hopefully we can check in again and uh, appreciate your time and, and thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.